It is so good to see you guys. You know, I um, I drew we drew straws, and I, I I got the short straw to come back and and be here because we were at the men's retreat, and um, all the pastors, you know, we're they're all we're all up there, right? Uh, no, honestly, all the guys were going, no, I'll come back. I said, no, I want you guys to go and enjoy. I will come back and see these faces. <laughs> honestly, it's a lot better than looking at just men's faces. <laughs> no, you know what, guys? Oh, my gosh. It is, and I know I probably say this, it, it was like one of the best times just away as men. Um, there's something o- about getting men away from their wives and a- away from responsibility and things like that, you know, and just kind of opening, opening it up and saying, okay, guys, here we are, just you and I. And we could uh, get a little bit more forceful with the guys at a men's ministry. I'm sure women probably, you guys talk about stuff that you wouldn't talk around other men. Not bad stuff, dirty stuff, nothing like that. But just hard-hitting stuff. And so whenever we can get guys away and just, and just kind of be real with them, and they can be real, um, it, was just an, it, it has been an amazing time, and I'm sure this morning will be no different for the guys that are up there. And um, just continue to pray. Some of you, uh, you know, whether you, you know, your husband's got to go or not, uh, just pray for all the guys that are up there. Uh, I know God was ministering and, and doing a work in a lot of the guys. And the pressure is when they come back, the wives are like, okay, where's the difference? And it's like, hey, take it easy on them, man. They're not going to share a lot, you know. How'd it go? Fine. What'd you do? Oh, nothing. Stuff. Yeah. Um, they might not open up because that's what guys don't do, open up oftentimes. But. Um, God is doing a work, guys, and just pray because he's touching men's lives in powerful ways. And, and again, being able to pray with a lot of these guys Friday night, yesterday, throughout the day, and just seeing what God is doing and breaking a lot of them down. And, and again, you're going, I hope my husband was one of those guys. It's like, I don't know. But the fact that they went is amazing, guys. The fact that they were... Because here's what men will do. They'll do stuff for you guys all the time. They'll send you on as many retreats as you want to go. They'll send their kids and they'll go, I don't have to go. I got to go work. I got to go do this. I got to go do that. Because that's what men do. And for them to go, okay, I'll go. It's huge for a lot of these guys. You know, I, I, I'm the type, it's like, no, to me, it's an investment for me personally, even if I'm not teaching or if I'm teaching, it doesn't matter. It's an investment to get away from everything and go with just hang out and be away and have God speak. And so guys, continue to pray for what God wants to do. There's over 45, almost 50 guys up there. Can you imagine if these guys come down? We've been going through the book of Acts. And if you've ever read the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit comes upon these guys, they're never the same. And so I'm praying that these guys will never be the same. And it might take time. They might come home and shut down again. (laughs) But just pray that God would just work. And so I know the enemy is a punk. And he just wants to destroy all that God wants to do. And so again, ladies, don't pressure him. Just 
speak to me, talk to me, tell me. Is that the way women sound? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> no, we... <laughs> Gee, that sounded horrible. Uh, but anyway, I mean, there was a lot of great spiritual stuff that happened. Amazing. What they will probably tell you about is the free time, the paintballing, the obstacle course, or the, the relay race. They'll tell you about all that stuff. It's like, oh yeah, look at my battle wounds. Look at all that. It's like, that's what we do. And some of them are limping, but they will come home. <laughs> oh Lord, please Lord, just bless these men up there right now, Lord. Be with Jeff Muse as he shares with these guys this morning, Lord. God, uh, as Daniel shares communion with them up there, Lord. God, you have been doing such an amazing work. And you've used all these guys who have been able to teach. The times of prayer and, and solitude, Lord God, being away and hearing. God, please, Lord, minister to these guys, Lord. We need more godly men. And uh, we need guys to, to help lead this church. And whether they're up here or they're sitting right before me right now, Lord God, challenge these men to be men, uh, men of God, to lead their families, to lead this community, to lead this church. Thank you so much, Lord. We give you this time as we uh, look to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, we begin a new, a new book. Um, for that matter, a new series. I don't know why, I just feel like I, I, I need to make it into a series. I don't know. Um, now, months before we were finishing or getting to the end of the book of Revelation, I started praying and, and asking the Lord for direction of where to go next. And if you're not familiar with our church here and what we do and how we do things here, um, as far as teaching, um, we, we normally go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And when we get done with one book, we go right into the next book. Not, you know, normally we do that stuff. And, and even like when, when I'm not teaching and some of the other pastors are teaching, they, it's much easier for them, instead of trying to come up with a topic... They're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And so one, one guy leaves off one place, they pick up the next place, and we go chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And so when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, the normal thing would be to go back to the beginning, back to, to Genesis. You know, well, naturally, you finish the Bible, you go back to the beginning of the Bible, and that would be the... The, the thing to do, to go to the Old Testament and go all the way through it. And you'd like to think that that's what I'm going to do, and I'm not. That's not what, but we are going to go back to the beginning, but the beginning of the New Testament. And so this morning, we will be starting the Gospel according to Matthew. And the name of the series will be King Jesus. That's what you're going to see, man. King Jesus, man. That's uh, that's, that's the ultimate. That's what we get to see. Now, normally, we call the books of the Bible um, books. <laughs> There's 66 books in your Bible. 39 are Old Testament books, 
and 27 are New Testament books. But there are some that are called letters in the New Testament. And we read those from about uh, Romans all the way up to Jude. They're called letters or epistles. Now the first four books of the, of the New Testament are called Gospels. And they are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are called the Gospels. And usually when I refer to one of those books, it's always the Gospel of of John or Mark or, you know, but I always preface it with the gospel of. Not always, but a lot of times I do. It's much easier for me to rattle off the gospel of John than it is the, the gospel of Matthew for some reason, but I will get used to the gospel of Matthew. And the word gospel means good news, glad tidings. That's what the word gospel means. And sometimes we use the expression you know, it is the gospel truth, or preach the gospel, you know, um, or, you know, preach the good news, and things like that. The simple gospel is, Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again for our sins, for the sins of the world. That is the simple gospel, that is the gospel in a nutshell. When we say, hey, we need to be out there preaching the gospel. Again, oftentimes it's giving messages, don't get me wrong, but sharing the gospel would be that Jesus came. He was born. He lived on this earth. He died. And He resurrected. That is the simple gospel. And honestly, guys, it is the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel that changes people's lives. That's what that is. It does, you don't have to be this theologian. You don't have to be this scholar or whatever it is. It is the simple gospel. We get to preach the gospel to the kids back there. We share the gospel and they understand it. They don't make it complicated back there oftentimes. Kids don't make it complicated. I think we make it complicated. We sometimes think, it's like, well, I can't share with people. I don't know what to share. It's just share Jesus. Learn the Gospels. Learn the stories of the Gospels. Share Jesus. That's all you got to do. You know, we, 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 we sometimes share testimonies, which is awesome. That's, that, that's something that's happened personal in your life. And you can share, I was once this and now I'm that. But it's not because of anything else but Jesus. <laughs> and so we share Jesus. And so that's what we get to, to share. The simple gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world and all of mankind. That is what we get to share. Now, the gospels tell us the same story by four different men. They were written to four different groups of people. And they portray Jesus differently from four different standpoints or viewpoints or perspectives, if you will, but it is the same story. If four of us went to Uganda and we come back and we've all traveled to Uganda like some of us have, and we come back and we share with you our trip to Uganda, we all went on the same trip, but you will give four different stories. And you're going... Are you sure you guys were all together? It's like, yes. 
well, you said that there was this many people, and the, they, while well, they, they saw it this way, I saw it this way, you know, women give this much information, we give that much information. You know, they give you 20-some chapters, we give you three. But we went on the same trip. You know what I'm saying? And so the Gospels, that's what the Gospels are. They're giving, because some people are like, well, why did Mark say it that way? And Luke said it this way. It's like, because they're two different guys. And they saw two different perspectives. Well, there's a controversy there. There is no controversy. Not in the life of Jesus. And so, again, that's what they do. That's what the four Gospels do. Now, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are what is known the synoptic Gospels. You will hear that word, synoptic Gospels. The, The synoptic Gospels... They give us a synopsis, a summary, a rundown, if you will, of the life and ministry of Jesus in Galilee for the most part. And Galilee is the northern part of Israel. And I remember when we were up there, when, we were, uh, when I got to go to Israel, we were crossing the Sea of Galilee. And our tour guide, he kind of looks north and he says 75% of Jesus' ministry happened in between there as he's looking at Capernaum and, and, and all this area right there. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. I was doing that a lot when I was there. <laughs> we should all go. We should make a trip. It's expensive, but we should. We should try it. Anyways, um, so the Synoptic Gospels, they, they tell us a lot of Jesus' ministry in the northern part of Israel. Whereas we get to the last Gospel of the four Gospels, and, and, and that one, you know, is different from the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels, again, man, they, they tell us that ministry part up there. Whereas the Gospel of John, it, it is intended more to t- just tell us who Jesus is. Not so much what he did or what he said, but who he is. And he shares a lot of what happens when he's down in Jerusalem. Now, he goes down to Jerusalem at least three times a year. And so the Gospel of, of, of John tells us his ministry and what happens in Jerusalem, the southern part of Israel. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, portrays Jesus as the king. And he is writing to the Jews. So he begins with the genealogy calling him the son of David and the son of Abraham. So he starts off with, this, with the genealogy with Abraham. He starts off the genealogy with Abraham, which is important because he is writing to the Jews and he will quote so much of the Old Testament. We will hear to, you know, that the scriptures might be fulfilled or to be fulfilled or... Because of, you know, and he goes a lot to the Old Testament, which is important for Matthew. And so we will be looking at a lot of the Old Testament. The Gospel of Mark, he portrays Jesus as the servant. And he is writing to the Romans. So as a servant, you get started right away doing activity. And so Mark emphasizes a lot of activity through his Gospel. You see Jesus moving from place to place. 
meeting the physical and spiritual needs of others, he records more of what Jesus did than what he said. And there is no need of a genealogy in the, in the Gospel of Mark because he's a servant. And who cares about servant's genealogy, basically? So he has no genealogy in, in Mark. Luke portrays him, the Gospel of Luke portrays him as the man, the perfect man, if you will. And he is writing to the Gentiles. So he begins with the birth of Christ. And, it's, and he traces them back in the genealogy back to Adam, all the way back to Adam, the first man, through Highland, um, uh, the father of Mary. He talks about his childhood, and he refers to him as the son of man. The Gospel of John portrays him as deity which means that he is God, the Messiah, the Christ. And he is, he is the sent one, and he is writing it to the whole world, to the whosoever, if you will, both Jew and Gentile. He tells us plainly his object was to show that Jesus is the Christ, referring him to, as the Son of God, and declaring that believing you might have life in His name. So I've given you a lot of information about the four Gospels, and now you can understand when you read whichever Gospel, if you remember who He is writing to. But let me give you a little information about the author of the Gospel of Matthew. First of all, this Gospel was written in A.D. 50, or 50 A.D. And it is the first one that is written. Out of all the four Gospels, Matthew was the first one. Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. And his name usually appears seventh or eighth on the list. There's several lists given to us, and his is usually seventh or eighth of the apostles. He is also called Levi, which was probably his his Jewish name, and Matthew, I'm not sure, but probably more his Gentile name, or, or, you know, Greek name. Matthew was a Jew who was a tax collector. Dun, dun, dun. He worked for the Roman government, and thus he was hated and despised <laughs> by mostly all Jews. Tax collectors were the worst of the worst. If you were a tax collector, man, you were like right up there with sinners. I mean, you were like a, considered a traitor, basically, by most Jews. Because you, you, you took money from the Jews, and you also had the, the privilege, I guess, to extort money if you wanted to, or take above and beyond. And people often did that. And one day, as he is working in his tax office, Jesus comes alongside, or comes in, or comes wherever, however he does, 
But Jesus comes and he tells Matthew something very simple. And Matthew probably had heard about him or seen him or however the case may be. But one day Jesus shows up to Levi's office, Matthew's office, and he tells him, you, follow me. And he drops everything and follows Jesus. And I love that because right after that, Matthew has a party for Jesus at his house. And you know who he invites? All his, friend, all his friends, tax collectors and the sinners. He, he invites all those people that everybody just looked down, especially the religious leaders. And you know what I love about that story? And we'll get to it, I don't know, in a few months. It's in chapter 9. I love the fact that Jesus goes to that party. He is so comfortable around tax collectors and sinners. And guess what? They, for some reason, were comfortable around him. But it was the religious leaders that despised all that. One thing about Matthew is that you never hear him say anything about himself basically or speak it's all about jesus it's not about himself that's what this gospel is all about but i do find it interesting that the synoptic gospels all record his conversion it must have been a big deal to have a tax collector get saved get converted and so all three synoptic gospels do that and so this morning we get to read the first 17 verses bear with me it is in a genealogy there's a lot of names here i practice but once once you get up here it's different when all you guys are looking at going that's not the way you pronounce that name bear with me or unless you want to come up here and read that have a cough i have a plethora of cough drops up here because i don't want you guys going oh that poor guy's dying up there it's like i have some there i have some in my pocket i'm gonna try to get through this thing bear with me chapter one verse one the book of the genealogy of jesus christ the son of david the son of abraham abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salman. Salman begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. Abijah begot Asa. 
Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. And Jotham begot Ahaz. And Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Amon. And Amon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel. Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiud. And Abiud begot Eliakim. And Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok. Zadok begot Achim. And Achim begot Eliud. Eliud begot Eleazar. Eleazar begot Mathen. And Mathen begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from, uh, from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity of Babylon to Christ, until Christ are 14 generations. Yay, got through them. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I must say <laughs> that starting up off a book with a genealogy is not always the most exciting way to start off a book, especially if you want to grab somebody's attention. Now, in a society that we want to grab attentions in the, the first moments, the first, the first, you know, minutes you know, of a, of a book, you know. Again, I don't know if you're like me, man. If it grabs my attention, I'm going to read the whole thing. But, man, if it's starting off slow, it's like, yeah. <laughs> next. You know, and, and, and oftentimes that's what happens when people, they come to Jesus and it's like, okay, where do I start? And somebody says, well, start at the beginning. They go to Genesis or they start at the beginning of the New Testament. And they start getting to these names and they go, I can't even pronounce them. They shut it, and they move on oftentimes. It's hard to get somebody's attention when you started off with a genealogy. If you're going to stick to it, man, you want to be able to grab somebody's attention. Now, I grabbed your guys' attention mainly because you guys wanted to see how much I would mess up. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you got to go, that poor guy up there. But even back then, you know, the other Gospels, they kind of grab your attention more so than Matthew's would, you know, because Mark, Mark's Gospel starts off with, with colorful characters. When you start off the, the, the Gospel of Mark, 
you start off with John the Baptist and he comes on the scene and he's wearing this camel hair and he's dipping these locusts into the honey and chowing them down and he's just a rugged individual and he's out there man and he's just telling everybody repent repent man he probably looks like like uh, Travis over here with a big old beard, man, and stuff like that, and just kind of more gnarly, you know, you're going, I want to see this freak, man. What is he saying? And man, he is just like drawing attention to everybody. And, 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 and so he comes on the scene, and, and man, he starts saying, man, there's another guy coming. They, I can't even loosen up his, his, his sandal straps. And they're going, man, who is this? So it kind of grabs your attention, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. He baptizes them. The, the, the skies open up, man. The demons are convulsing and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's a page turner. <laughs> what else is in there, you know? Luke, the Gospel of Luke, he starts off with a bold claim saying this is a better book than the other books. <laughs> you know, some of these other guys, they've written stuff. This one's better. You're going, really? He says, yeah, I'm a historian. I will tell you carefully how, how intricate and I will, all the investigative things that I've done from the beginning. I will give you a more exact and orderly eyewitness account that you may know for certain with confidence, with conviction about Jesus. The whole real inside story you're going, ha ha. And then you, or, or you get to the Gospel of, of, of John. And John's kind of mysterious. He's intriguing, man. He's using language that is kind of like, what, what are you talking about? He calls Jesus the Word. And man, you hear the Word, the Word, the Word, in the first five verses especially. And the Word was in the beginning. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And you're going, what? And, and he just kind of draws you in. And, 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 and so everything that he ever created was made by the Word. And in him was life. And the Word, he became flesh. He dwelt among us. And you're going, can't wait. Can't wait, man, to, to, to turn the next page. But the Gospel of Matthew, <laughs> it starts off with a genealogy. The genealogy of Jesus. And he lists 46 names. 46 names. And then what he does in his phraseology, he repeats most of them. So we have 86 names that I have to repeat. That we have to repeat. And again, when you're doing it by yourself, you're going to skip most of them. Next, next. Begot, 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 begot. Not much of a page-turner here, especially by our standards. But it is believed that early on that the Gospel of Matthew was the most widely read of all the Gospels. And it's interesting because as they're putting together the New Testament, those back in the day who thought we have to put this, this book together, and in order, and they all agreed, Matthew has to be the first one that we put in there. The first, not because it's written first, because it has a killer intro. It's like, what? It has a killer intro? Absolutely. 
You see, the Gospel of Matthew, man, is a great bridge builder from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Oh. Again, man, he's writing to Jews. And there's, there's been 400 years of silence from God. And now there, there's more text coming. And now this is the New Testament, the New Covenant. And so it's a great bridge builder between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And this genealogy made all the difference in the world. And so what are we missing here as, as American Christians that we would sometimes look at this like, man, let's just go to verse 18. Let's just get to the birth. Let's just skip the whole genealogy thing. Well, if you're going to portray Jesus as the king, then you better have some proof. And if you're going to make, it, make the argument that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the sent one, that he is the Messiah, then you better be able to link him to the covenants of the people or of the people that God promised to use. And so in verse 1, he, 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 he makes that argument, he makes that case. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, and or the son of Abraham. The theme of the Old Testament is given in Genesis 5, 1. It says, this is the genealogy, or this is the book of the generation, the generations of Adam, in chapter 5 of, of Genesis. The Old Testament gives history of the Adam family. Not the Adam's family, but the Adam family. And it is a sad history, to say the least. God created man in his own image, but man sinned. He defiled, he, he disformed, de deformed the image of God by the sin that they allowed to come in. Then man brought forth children in their own likeness, after their own image. And these children proved themselves to be sinners, just like their parents. So no matter where you read in the Old Testament, you meet sin and you meet sinners. But in the New Testament, it is the book of the generations of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the last Adam, it says in Romans. And he came to the earth to save the generation of Adam, which includes you and I, by the way. You see, through no choice of our own, we were born into the generations of Adam, which made us all sinners. But by a choice of faith, we can be born into the generation of Jesus Christ and become children of God. Be born again into that lineage. When we read the genealogy in Genesis chapter 5, the repeated phrase is, and he died. And he died. And he died. And it's interesting because it tells us how old these guys were. And they were in their seven, eight, nine hundred years old. 
And you're going, whoa! But the end of that is, and he died. They got to that point and they died. The genealogy there, and the phrase, and he died, just, just proves for the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. But when we get to our text, as we are this morning, in the New Testament, we find that that first genealogy, the phrase is begot, or birth. Not death, but birth. So the message of the New Testament is the second part of Romans 6, 23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See that? Isn't that amazing? Because again, the Old Testament basically brought death. The Old Covenant brought death. The New Covenant brings life. And He died. Begot. Born again on this side. Isn't that amazing? And so He starts this off and it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, I was telling the guys up there, they're going, what are you going to teach tomorrow? It's like, oh, Matthew. It's like, they're probably all going, oh, it's a genealogy. It's okay if we miss. It's like, no, that's kind of exciting. They're probably going, try and make it exciting, Brostein. Come on. So Matthew makes the case for the son of David. The son of David. That Jesus was the one spoken of in the Davidic covenant. And Samuel, and again, I'm giving you scripture so you can be jotting them down or listen to it later, but... In 2 Samuel 7, 16, it says, speaking to David, and your house, your kingdom, shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness, a king, Shall, re- shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness on, in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. And then in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So there's the proof that He is the Son of David. That He is that covenant that God made with David. Now the case that He makes for being the Son of Abraham, that Jesus is the one spoken in the Abrahamic covenant, goes back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, where it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. 
and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then in Genesis 22, 18, he says, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so these promises point to the one that would fulfill or be the fulfillment of the covenant that God made with Abraham and with David. And so now, the genealogy that traces him back to those covenants. And so from verse 2 to 17, we, we look at the genealogy. I'm not going to read the names over again. I will spare you that. But we do have to touch on some of these names that are in here. I, I, I love the fact that whether we know them or not, God thought it important to put their name in there. He knew their name. He knew them, just like He knows your name. And He knows everything about you. Now you would think that because we are talking about promises and covenants from God to man, that, that we would have a genealogy, a, 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 a lineage, a bloodline that was pure as the wind-driven snow. But that is not the case here. And that brings comfort to me. It should bring comfort to you. Because God decided to use man. And man is flawed. I don't know if you know that. Man is flawed. hate to break it to you. But this is where you and I, again, can feel good about ourselves. That we can still be a part of the family of God even though we don't have a great history behind us, even though we don't have good lineage behind pedigree, you know, for months, you know. We have so much baggage. And yet, he says, I will take you warts and all. All of it. Because that's what we get to see in this genealogy. Warts and all. You, you, you see people from all different facts of life, basically. Oh, they're, for the most part, they're, they're in, you know, in the Jewish uh, religion, somewhat. <laughs> you see, each one of the people that is in this genealogy is flawed. Every thinking last one of them. There are those in this genealogy that we know well, and there are those that we don't know well. But each one of them was, was human. And God chose to use humans to bring about His glory, Jesus. Now, I understand the, the, the miracle of His birth. I totally do. But there is an element of humanity in that birth. Now, a lot of us, we, we look at the first three Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and, and if you've read through, through Genesis, we've seen their stories. 
I, I think out of the three, Isaac would be my favorite because there's less that is talked about there. <laughs> so, but he's still at the end, man. He makes some dumb decisions, but be that as it may. But we see Abraham and we go, man, he's the father of Abraham. Man, we make songs about that cat. Father Abraham. And, and, and stuff like that, you know. But he had his flaws. He had his flaws. He, he didn't wait on the Lord the way he should have. But we look at Jacob, and Jacob, man, he, he was something else. And I'm not going to go a lot into Jacob. You can read about these guys. But we look at the book of, of, of Genesis, and we see a lot of these guys, and they weren't perfect. And Jacob for sure. But we look at these guys as our forefathers nonetheless. The religious, the, the, the Jewish religion, it began through them, basically. And, and even through Christianity, we honor them. But it says that Jacob had his son, Judah, and his brothers. And Judah was number four of, of the, the twelve brothers. And it says that he begot Perez and Zerah through, or by Tamar. Tamar was, was, was Judah's daughter-in-law. He had lost two, two sons to her. Maybe it was her cooking. I don't know. But they had no children. So he tells Tamar, he says, okay, uh, my youngest one, he's going, I don't, want, I don't want this one to die. My youngest one, when he gets older, I'll give him to you so that you can have children with him. And so she finds out after all these years, he's grown up. Hey, you haven't fulfilled the promise, bro. And so she dresses herself up as a prostitute. Well, Judah's wife or wives had died or whatever. And so he's, he's out somewhere. And there's this prostitute. He does what he does. It happens to be his daughter-in-law who is dressed up as a prostitute. And so she takes something from him that day so that he could fulfill the promise of paying her. And when he goes back to find her, she's not there. And nobody knows where she's at. And they're going, we ain't got no prostitutes around here. And comes to find out that she is pregnant and he is hot. And he says, bring her here and we'll put her to death right now. And so she brings along the things that he had given her. And said, well, the father is the one that these things belong to. And he looks at him going, oh, Jesus. And so these boys are his. And so you're going, what? Kind of tough. You could read that story in Genesis 38. But then it says that Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. And if you read through, through, through the first five books of the Bible, you know that Rahab is a prostitute also. But she's a Gentile. And, and she is the one that, 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 that protects the spies and, 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 and tells them to go another way and lies for them and all that stuff. And, and it ends up when they come in that she and her family escape. And so she ends up hooking up with, with Solomon here, part of the lineage. And they have Boaz together. Boaz begot... Oh, my, let me see. Boaz begot, let me see. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Bo, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. 
So Ruth, we look at Ruth here, and we're thinking, oh, everybody loves Ruth. She has her own book in the Bible. She's okay, isn't she, Zeke? It's like, well, yeah, she is, kind of, sort of. <laughs> but she's a Moabite. She's a Moabite. Now, Moabites were related by Lot, Abraham's nephew. But Moab was born by Lot's daughter from him, from Lot. It's like, oh, yeah, what? When Sodom and Gomorrah all happened and stuff, the daughters are going, there's no more men. Only dad. So the, the girls get him drunk and they know him. And that's why we have the Moabites and the Ammonites because they had two kids, two boys. And so Ruth comes from that lineage. Distant relatives it was an incestuous thing but she's in that lineage and then it says that king david begot solomon by her who had been the wife of uriah and she would have continued to be the wife of uriah if he hadn't killed uriah to king david and committed adultery with bathsheba because that's who he's talking about here and so now we have these four women that are in the lineage of david of of of, of jesus here and from then on, from Solomon on to Rehoboam, and then all these things, we start getting all the kings of, Israel, of, of Judah, basically. And you have your good kings and you have your bad kings. You have some kings that were good that became bad, and you have some bad kings that became good. But nevertheless, it, it, it is solid. Uh, it, it, it is um, distasteful, and, 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 and it's just a dirty past. It's a sordid past, basically. Now, from the captivity to Joseph, we don't know much about all these men. And in some of that time frame there that you get these people from the captivity to Joseph, it, it was in those silent years that in between the, the, the Old and New Testament. So we don't know a lot about these men. But I guess I could say they were human beings nonetheless. And so it was probably probably sorted as well. But then we get to Jacob, begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom was born Jesus. And the changed expression here in verse 16 is important for us to understand. It is no longer begot but the husband of Mary, by whom was born Jesus. Because you see, Jesus was not begotten by natural generation. In other words, Joseph was not the biological father. And everybody knew that. And that brings us to Mary. Little old Mary. Likeable Mary. Everybody, I mean, people want to play her in plays. You know? I want to be Mary. I don't want to be, but you know, little girls say that. And she did nothing wrong. She was probably 15, 16 years old, maybe. But she comes up pregnant. And she's telling everybody, 
It's not Joseph. It's the Holy Spirit. Huh. Really. So, so Mary, again, she didn't do anything wrong, but there was a lot of questions that were brought up. There was a lot of ridicule that happened to her. There, 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 there's all this stuff that's... And, and Jesus had to be ridiculed, and, 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 and he had to battle with all of that as well. And so we have this generation, or this genealogy, that just goes to show us that there are, there are many in Jesus' genealogy that were of questionable character. And the fact that Matthew even mentions women, questionable women, I mean, just hit the Jews, man. Their pride was just shocked. The fact that, because that wasn't normal either, that you would put women in the genealogies. But he does that. But Matthew does say, by whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now the word Christ means the anointed, which is the Greek form for the Hebrew word Messiah. So he is saying something very, very controversial here. That this Jesus who was born, he is the promise, he is the one, he is the one that, that would come and save all of mankind. And we will get into that portion next time. But verse 17 tells us that 14 generations by, within three different groups, from, from Abraham to David, from David to the captivity, from the captivity to Joseph, there's 14 generations. And again, if you start numbering them off, it's, it, it gets a little different. Different commentators go, well, you have to do it this way and then this way and then this way. But be that as it may, we know that Matthew didn't put everybody's name in there. He omitted some of the names in this genealogy, probably for a more systematic summary of these three periods in, in Israel's history. But each had 14 generations. Now, Again, just kind of reading commentaries, the, the, the numerical value in, 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 in the Hebrew letters, I guess the, the number 14 adds up to David's name somehow. I don't know. I just know that some of you guys are Bible scholars and going, yes, he touched on that. Other people are going, I have no clue what you just said. <coughs> But Matthew probably did this or took this approach as a memory aid for the readers of this difficult list. Not maybe for you and I, but for back then. Many may look at this, at this genealogy in the Gospel of Matthew and not think much about it. Maybe you're one of them. And maybe you have even skipped it or will skip it or try to erase it from your memory today. Because these names are difficult. They mean nothing to a lot of us. They're hard to pronounce. But this genealogy is vital. It is important for the case that Matthew is going to make in his gospel to those that he is writing to. But it is a good history lesson for us as well. 
Because it shows us that God uses flawed humans to bring about Jesus and to be a part of his family. So I just want to encourage you today. You are in good company. (laughs) If you are a born-again Christian and you are now part of that genealogy, he used a lot flower people than you even. So if you think, I am the worst of the worst, it's like, no, there's some that are probably worse than you. I've read about some of these kings. But then again, maybe you guys are worse than all of them. I don't know. (laughs) But here's the kicker. You get to be a part of the family if you accept Jesus into your life. You get to be a part of the family. You get to, to choose in that respect to be a part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know, we're going to have communion right now. And I just thought it kind of interesting going, okay, how do I go from that to communion? And the fact is that we, because Jesus was obedient to the Father, because He did become flesh, because He came and He died for our sins, it is His blood that cleanses us from all sin. It is because of His blood that we now become part of the bloodline of Jesus. And we are covered by His blood. And He had to go through all that He had to go through so that you and I can become part of the family. And so when we think of communion, we do think of the the, the scourging and we think of the, the beatings and we think of the crucifixion and we think of all those kinds of things. But he did all of that to bring in that new covenant that on that last day when he was with his disciples and he breaks bread and he says, this is my body, eat of it. This is my blood, drink of it. In that you will have life. It is because of his death that we get to be cleansed. It is because of his resurrection that we have victory. And so this morning, as Anna, come on up, Anna, we, we, we will play, I think she has three songs, and the two songs that we have, before you even come up, just pray. Thank God that if, if, if you are a believer, that it is because of his blood that you get to be part of this genealogy of Jesus. And then just come and partake at your leisure. Go back to your seats. You can sit up here. You can kneel down. Whatever you want to do. If you know somebody that really can't make it up, bring communion to them. But just take your time. Enjoy. You're part of the family. If you don't know Jesus, what a great time to come to know Him. You get to be part of this crazy family <laughs> that we just read about. And you fit right in. You're welcome to. And so let's pray. And then we'll get to our communion time. Father in heaven, what a blessing it is, Lord. What a blessing it is to be able to read through this portion of Scripture, Lord, that you've given to us, Lord. Oh, to many of us, Lord, it just meant not much to us. And hopefully today it means a little bit more. To understand, Lord God, that you used humans, flawed humans, to be part of your family. And Father, we, we are in good company. But Father, if there's some today, this morning, 
who you have been calling into this family. And they're here this morning. And they've been battling whether they're Christian or not. Lord. And maybe today they just need to make that profession that they want to be part of the family. I pray, God, that you would just draw them in. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand right where you're at. I just, I just want to pray for you. Because what you're doing is saying, I want to be part of this family of Jesus. Is there anyone here who needs Jesus in their life? He came and he died for you. You see, coming and taking communion would mean nothing to you unless you're part of the family. And so I don't want you to miss out on that. Is there anyone? Amen. I see your hands. What an amazing thing that you now become part of this family. Crazy as it is, you get to be part of the family. Father, I pray for this person right now. That, Lord, even as I'm praying over her, Lord, she would be able to just ask for forgiveness, that she would turn from her sins, Lord, and trust you for her life. That, God, because you were obedient, or you sent your son, and Jesus was obedient to die on the cross, this person gets to enter into this family and be called the child of God. Thank you so much, Lord. I pray for the rest of my brothers and sisters that, Lord, as they have this intimate time with you, that they would be blessed as well. Blessed be your name, for you are good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.